So hi everyone, I'm here with Paul Rout again. Uh, he's the SVP in uh, Wenfresh and Wenfresh are in the, the property data and data supermarket uh, kind of area. So Paul, uh, thanks very much for joining me. Uh, good to see you again. Yeah, no problem, Chris. Good to see you as well. So since we last spoke, I mean, there's been a lot going on, uh, I suppose, with the with the economy and everything, right? I mean, what kind of things are you kind of seeing? Um, yeah, so oh no, we are seeing a lot. I guess there's there's, there's a property market element, uh, which yeah. is on about the press, which I think they get, get a little bit wrong. Um, yeah. you know, record listings for the last couple of years, back to 2018. Not as many sales, they're sort of down. So a lot of talk about that. Um, I guess more concerning for people in the marketplace is the fact that um, there's a shortage of rental properties. They're really down on where they've been yeah. since 2018. Other things, though, um, you know, specifically sort of client and market orientated, mm-hmm. um, we're sort of seeing people are looking for more automation, um, specifically mm-hmm. in the mortgage market. Um, I think the sort of competition platform at the moment there is about how quickly they can underwrite and how quickly they can complete on mortgages. So, yeah. you know, we've always got a data as a service offering, so um, we're sort of right, right in there at the moment. Yeah, I mean, what's what's so what's the 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 housing market? I suppose we're all eyes on that. Mm. Uh, I mean, we've had interest rate rises that have been happening. You know, another one, another one happened this week. Um, you know, interest rates are going up. We have got people on like three-year fixed mortgages, so a third of people come off every single uh, every single year. Uh, I mean, what's your what's your prediction? I suppose the interplay between interest rates and mortgage rates, and I suppose then the mortgage property values as well, because they're kind of interlinked, aren't they? I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen? What yeah, they are. Happen? I think it's a market. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I'm not a soothsayer. I've got anywhere near the, the interest rates, yeah. but it doesn't look like it's as severe as it could have been. Um, yeah. We're talking about, I think it was like last night on the news about it peaking around four and a half, maybe right. even where we are at the moment. I think from a pricing perspective, it's going to be a bit more of a complex market. I guess this is the frustrating thing with the with the sort of journalists and the press really about, mm. you know, 10% here and 15% there. I don't yeah. think it's going to be that severe in the marketplace. But I think what you'll see a lot more of is probably the emergence of sort of pockets. Um, so based on geography and attributes of property, I mean, specifically, I can talk about where I live at the moment. In terms of, uh, you know, four bed plus properties, absolute shortage in the entire county. I think there's only, and we only are a small county, in fact, the smallest, there's only like three properties on the market. So it's going yeah. to be based towards that. But it'd be interesting to see if, I guess, consumers stick to the guns on the prices as well. So, you know, I wouldn't expect probably more than a, you know, seven to ten percent cut in house prices. But to be fair, they were overcooked anyway in this sort of last last sort of year. So they're probably gonna level out where they actually should be. Do you think that'll be moderated as so the actual pure absolute value of house price will be moderated with inflation, right? So if we're seeing like significant inflation, then it actually in real terms the house price goes down a little bit, even though the actual value might not go down a bit. Do you think we're gonna see a bit of that, a bit like the seventies? Yeah, no I think so. No, I think I think you're right on that. Um but I mean, I guess what we've seen with inflation so far, prices have still been rising. I think they're, they're yeah. starting to sort of tip down a little bit now, but no, again, nowhere as severe as they were. So I think, again, it's more the themes that balancing piece, I think. I think it will balance out. Yeah. What, what about the split between, I suppose, a lot of people were sort of moving out into the big houses in the countryside, I suppose it was, from, from, from London during the pandemic. Yeah. And there's a little bit of, I've heard a little bit of sort of like people sort of moving back to so the softening of the really rural market and sort of maybe maybe a little bit sort of like people moving back into cities on more sort of commuter belts. Are you seeing anything, is anything like yeah, that? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's definitely the case. I think... Mm. 
we, it's probably because of the inflation where, where it's sort of been, I mean, the housing inflation and where it's been really is that people have done that and then the number of houses that came on the market because they knew, no, knew they could get a premium as a lot of people sort of moved up from London where we are because it's, it's, it's relatively commutable and it's not the, yeah. these sort of prices that you'd expect. But that's definitely softening now without a doubt. I think yeah. um, there's, not, there's not as many properties available and that nobody's taken advantage of it. But that was that artificial element, I think, of, of, that, of that sort of rise people looking to get out. Do you think we all moved out of uh, out of out of London too quick, and uh, maybe the reality? Yeah, maybe. What, may, what do you think? Yeah, maybe, but it did. I mean, did it rebalance some of the rural areas? I think if you go, you know, north of London, yeah, it's probably it's probably sort of re-indexed those in terms of the house price and stuff. So there is a yeah. bit of balance has come out of this. But um, yeah. I think the other problem that's happened as well, obviously, with the the strikes and the rail and everything that's going on at the moment, yeah. people are working from home, obviously, but people are starting to need more access into London and. Yeah. You know, it's a lot more difficult if you live in, you know, an hour and a half out. Yeah, why? Well, so you can't. I mean, driving is uh, pretty prohibitive, isn't it? Absolutely, so if you yeah. live an hour and a half out. Uh, and what's and so what, what are the dynamics then that happen between I suppose the the purchase market and then the rental market? You're saying the sort of like you know the rental market is the yeah, sort of like just from a listings perspective. I think I mean there's some insurance around the rental market at the moment because I think um, you know there's various uh, sort of government um, sort of sort of callings out there at the moment around what they may be doing to, with the rental market. I know a lot of local authorities as well are extending things like HMO schemes into selective areas. So effectively, that's becoming more like a, a licensing scheme if you rent. Rather than uh, rather than anything else, obviously a focus because of housing conditions. There's a big drive in the local authority environment from central government for housing conditions at the moment. That's probably putting people off in terms of the rental. And then I guess the final thing is the EPC element of it as well. Is that there's a I think it's an E now, isn't it? you can't have a, a an efficiency rating E or, e or less, otherwise you can't yeah, rent yeah, yeah. yeah, and it works from both sides. A funding point of view, so. Um, BTL mortgages aren't being issued to people who haven't haven't done the work or got their, their houses up to the thing. But also, um, the restrictions by local authorities. There, I mean, they are taking data from us on APC at the moment and yeah. literally going around those properties and seeing if they're being rented. And, and how how do you look at that? I know some of the stuff that you do in terms of like looking at things either from satellites or looking at like the the property data. I mean, how can you sort of tell from a from a, from a almost like an energy efficiency point of view? I mean, is that something that we can use to well, yeah no, to, so, to really so, understand our own efficiencies? As yeah, much as, so you know, energy efficiency from that point of view, we've got a couple of elements that we look at. There is the standard EPC piece, which is the data. So we hold all the data, the, the current and the potential, but all the survey information. So mm. there's around 16, 17 million EPC surveys that have been done. Mm. We've just got that data. A second thing is, is that we've got access to emissions as well. So we can actually see from satellite what the emissions are from each property in the UK. Yeah. And we're just folding that in at the moment to sort of yeah. get a view of that. So um, surveyed and non-surveyed. And what we're, what, we're, what we're actually doing is looking at properties that have not been surveyed in terms of the EPC, looking at the emissions and we're doing a comparative analysis to see if we can allocate um, an EPC rating to fit for a property that hasn't got one at the moment. And obviously right. with the typology of the property, the attributes, we can we can work that through. So yeah, there's a big there's a big push on things like that. Councils, you know, private sector and the mortgage sector really, really, really looking at and emissions you mean sort of like like infrared emissions or those kind of things. Yeah, so it's like heat leakage, yeah, heat yeah, yeah. leakage, that kind of thing as well. And that you know, there's calculations which turn that into, you know, so how much energy you're burning, what's the emissions in that thing, how efficient are you, et cetera, et cetera. So we sort of sort of using that thing. But I guess the other aspect of it as well is a lot of interesting green mortgages at the moment. I think Lloyd's have just done a deal with Octopus Energy, haven't they, around mm-hmm. property. So that's probably the other key theme in the mortgage market at the moment, it's green, green mortgages yeah. and the links with that. 
Well, I suppose energy costs is a big, big driver of inflation Absolutely. recently, isn't it? As well, so it's like more we can do on that. Absolutely. Um, so, so you think sort of like the mortgage, the um, the 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 property market is probably going to soften a little bit, but maybe not quite as much as we think, and maybe like maybe the the arrears market, though the the arrears um, volumes maybe not quite as bad as you think. Is that is that kind of what you're thinking? Um, I think yeah, people are going to sit tight. I think you know you think about it as a, I always call it a, a delinquency cascade. You know your house is the last to go usually, isn't it? So I don't think we'll see a lot of secured um, sort of collections. I think the, the lighter stuff definitely yeah. Um, you know from 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 the work we do in the collections market with you know DCAs and the like and some of the specialist services. Definitely expecting I wouldn't call it a tidal wave, but um, a wave of some sorts in terms yeah. of in terms of. Um, in terms of collections activity. But I think the interesting thing is as well, I mean, you'll probably know this, Chris, I haven't experienced the market. It's usually all about purchase or new debt, and that's what they're, they're interested in. There's a lot more focus on the existing portfolio at the moment. So things like flight risk and, you know, are people moving, change of circumstances, pressures on standards, cost of living. They're, 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 there's a lot more concern about people's ability to keep up payment plans and things like that. One of the big changes we've seen now is the fact that um, it's kind of we don't have stability. We've had like stability for the last sort of like 20 years or even even maybe a little bit longer, about 30 years in terms of like the data. So like, you know, inflation wasn't particularly big. You know, there wasn't a lot of sort of changes in different categories of spend and those kind of things. It just feels like the last sort of six months, that's that's sort of like that's one of the things that's really changed. And I suppose the question is, like, how do we use that to understand things like affordability or how do we understand um, financial stress on on consumers and you know we were chatting a little bit about I suppose new sources of information be able to do that because it doesn't feel like it's a stable market quite the way it has been I mean some of the norms we had before don't feel like that's that's where we are today no no I mean there's you know there's obviously people's ability to pay and you know there's plenty of organizations around there who, who yeah. keep record on that I think where we've sort of looked at it, it's probably the it's the area, the type of property that you live in, the amount that you're paying for that property, you know, the amounts and levels of rent, um, whether it's institutional, social housing, um, if it's a HMO, they're the kind of sort of I guess um, pieces of data we're putting into sort of gradings at the moment. Um, and you know, it, it's quite interesting actually because it's 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 the whole sort of multi-use landscape of data. So. Yeah vulnerability and, and, and that sort of piece has come out the back of, of sort of HMO but we've been using that for lo- with local authorities buy to let we've been checking on that central government for for a couple of years now and and, and it's, it's interesting I can swap it out into sort of other other sort of areas really yeah I mean do you think you could estimate people's energy bills based on on where they live which then might be indicative of affordability i mean those those kind of linkages isn't it uh, absolutely yeah i mean you know rent paid i mean we do we do a lot of work with central government um yeah. on some fraud aspects which do use some of our sort of rental information and things for some of the benefits that they do um and yeah no very much so um it's it's, it's really indicative um but also there's a lot of tricks out in the marketplace people are, are sort of cute to data as well but um all the standard data sources. So, but, but, but with property data, I think um, I think the, the thing with property data, I've probably said this before, is most of the stuff we collect isn't declared by a consumer. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's part of a process, a rental process, a conveyancing process, a survey. Um, you know, or it's you know it's it's photographed from space, for example. Yeah. Um, so, so it, you know, there's very little room to change any of those aspects. I mean, it feels like that the. the 
I mean, data is one of the things that people seem to be looking at now. I mean, I've had quite a few conversations around data in terms of like, how do you get more data? How do you get it faster? How do you get new sources of information that's maybe different from the way it was before? Uh, I mean, are you seeing that kind of trend? I mean, you're, you're in the sort of like the, the I, it's not really new information, but you're in the new information space as far as as far as we're concerned, really. I mean, yeah. this is stuff we haven't seen before. I mean, I mean, are people looking to that? Or? No, it is. I mean, I think it's what I said at sort of opening, really. It's sort of speed of data availability, so it's sort of re- recent, frequent, fresh um, for yeah. us. So what I said about the mortgage market is they're looking to speed up the process of getting that mortgage, yeah. The yeah. thing that's always slowed it down is conveyancing, but also the underwriting of the property. That's where that data's coming in now. We can do it real time. It's extremely fresh. So, yeah, but that's that's really a key theme. I think away from the property market, um, I'll go back to the HMO information. I mean, that's another sort of key point on that is, um, is that's new data which is coming in there. It, it, and we've moved from producing a model for HMO to actually getting real data where mm. it's being surveyed by a rather large, large post um, operation where we, yeah. we understand what, what is multiple occupancy. But I guess the other side of that, again, is I suppose it does call out to the sort of recency, frequency, freshness of data is the whole trace process in the collections market. Um, mm. We're seeing more preemptive work being done. So we, we obviously take transactions and movers information. People are looking at flight risk now rather than sort of trace. Um, and we've had some really good results in the utilities market um, in terms of final billing and sort of uh, arrears. Um where we, we've seen a, a, you know, a 20 times uplift on their sort of collections rates and, and, and collections rate, rates at Ed final billing point as well by using that, where typically they've been not been paid and been chasing it through the traditional mechanism of trace and all the usual kind of things. So I think it's the awareness of that data being available, but the availability of that data. I think there's more and more transactional information from our perspective, both, I guess, both in the market, but also in the property area, which, which sort of serves all these markets. Yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you find it in terms of clients being able to process this information? It's one of the challenges you kind of have. Is almost like there's so much information out there. We saw this with with open banking, right? Which is you know we've had credit bureaus been around for a long time. I know you know that well. And then we've had um, uh, you know open banking that's come through. There's a whole slew of information come from that. Now we're getting property information. We're getting like extra demographic information. Those kind of things. It's like it's like. It, it keeps like it's ever increasing. What? How do? How do you find in terms of like clients being able to process it all, and almost like find the nuggets of gold that are really indicative? I mean, what's what's what do you think is the best approach? What do you so, think? so, so I think I mean we've probably done more and more aggregation of data into sort of you know I guess scores and and, and rag statuses than we've we've sort of ever done. So we are doing some of the heavy lifting on that, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, part of that heavy list, lifting is that we well, we do two main things. We've got APIs and batch, but we've probably built more, I guess, um, what would you call it, monitoring-based systems and trigger-based systems for people. So we are holding at address level, because we can do it, information on properties for utilities companies and whatever and we're, we're triggering out triggering out when the event happens so as soon as yeah. the refresh it's out on that day and it's sort of done the other way of looking at this i'm just working with a company who are just starting up a, a property fraud service across insurance and also to the consumers as well but that there is there's literally you know as soon as you register and stuff they're pulling we're driving things through an api so people can service their own thing on a dashboard and they get alerts yeah. so yeah um I think it's it's a it's a it's a shared problem. I would say is probably the easiest way yeah. of doing it. Is I think there's there's results around it in terms of you know the traditional stack of data that they've got. I think it's it's relatively easy to manage. I think we're quite fortunate because we only have 
half of the matching to do because we do it on address level. We don't need the consumer information. Yeah. So um, it's, it's quite hard for me to comment, I think, on the other, other consumer sources. So, so it sounds like was, we're getting all this extra data, but it's almost like for us humans, for us to be able to digest it, it's that, that trigger stuff is really... Is really Absolutely, yeah. For. So they're trying to make it simple, I suppose, for the end user. And I think for us, it's black and white, yeah? Somebody's moving or they're not moving. The house is worth X or it's worth Y. And it's got an environmental problem, so you're not going to underwrite it. So this is real data. Um, So there's no real level of interpretation. We we, we typically, in the mortgage market, we take um, an institution's lending policy rules, and their policy rules contain an element of of property policy. We won't have things with bonded brick, and we won't have them in these areas and this kind of thing. And all we're doing is, is taking that information, running against the data, we, we spit that data back out for them, but we actually make the decision for them as well. Is it a yes, is it a no? Does it need to go for a full survey or can it be passed through on a green lane channel fully automated? It's, it's yeah. relatively simple. I think it's, yeah. I mean, there's trust there to do it, isn't there, I think? I mean, that, that's part and parcel, but um, I think there's, a, there's less and less interpretation needed because of the, the, the data that, well, especially that we do is out there. It's black and white, it's either real or yes or no real. Or, or suppose, and you sort of treat that as almost like, well, here's the trigger, and it should trigger a manual investigation versus versus um, you know versus a no. I mean, so a yes is a yes, right? And that's the risk the company kind of takes. But if it's a no, if it's a no, the trigger for a no, does that typically result in a manual kind of review? Well, uh, in- interesting. We we just work. We've got a new partner that we're just working with at the moment, which I think you know anyway. Um, but it's it's around the I and E space. But what we're looking at at the moment is. Um, we obviously have a trigger, which is somebody's yeah. moving. You think about the, the collections market, for example. We can trigger um, the fact that something needs to be done, i.e. in this case, an income and expenditure survey. So we will trigger um, what is a piece of software which automates that and does that. And all the clients will see at the end is a, a brand new I&E or a new payment, payment plan in place. So we're actually walking through that, that thing at the moment. So obviously loads of operators, loads of collectors, whatever they do, but there's, there, there could be this... This other sort of overarching piece, which is people just constantly risk of moving, risk of change of circumstances, and that's just generating that all the time. So it's hitting the regulatory thing, but it's also maintaining the communication and it's highlighting the fact that these guys have a change of circumstance. Yeah, yeah. I kind of kind of interesting to like. So we're in, in this sort of get, getting triggers, and we're sort of like, we're trying to make it easier for humans to digest. And I suppose then I, was, I got completely enamoured by the um, the Chat GPT example. Oh, I've been listening to that, that as well. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And all of that. So and, where uh, do you think we're going to go in terms of all this information? This problem of having just like, almost like unlimited amounts of information, and then being able to digest it down to those triggers. Do you think we're going to be able to to use to use the computers to be able to do that? I mean, is that is that where it's going? I think you probably will be able to. I think, obviously, the whole AI sort of bandwagon. But I think it's more simple than that. I think there's some pretty common sense sort of yeah. sort of sorting that an individual can do. I mean, for me, what is important, a change of circumstance means new job, new move, whatever, whatever, whatever. There's real data on all this stuff out there, yeah? So why wouldn't you just prioritise that use over a few models and things that are going on? Yeah, and I suppose you've got different layers. If you've got the, the yeah. obvious ones, then you've got the next level ones, the expert Absolutely. ones. And, then you, and I suppose we're, we're probably just saying we probably still haven't done the basic ones, right? So there's a lot of basic ones we need to do with some of the data. Absolutely, but, but that is the bizarre thing about it all, is that the some of the basic fundamental um, triggers, which you know significantly change an individual's um, uh, sort of life or behaviours and whatever, nobody's looking at at all. Mm. It's really strange. I mean, if I was... I, I'd be looking for... 
employment data out there. If I could find, you know, when somebody's employed, when somebody's not employed, I guess open banking's a route to do that from an income point of view. But that would be a, a key trigger for me because that's, you know, that's, that's, your, that's your cash flow, isn't it? Somebody's yeah. moving house. Are they spending more? Are they spending net less? If they come into sort of money, equity and that kind of thing, really big trigger, yeah? But also from a contact point of view as well, massive trigger if somebody's moving. But, you know, people are only just beginning to sort of clock onto that. But I think it's a blend of property data has been used in the property market, for example, and nowhere else. And I think now... We're we're pushing it across other markets, and it's due to people's experience in our business and whatever. But yeah. um, we're beginning to see sort of multi-use for the data, and I think people say, yeah. "Oh, I did." We get it every time. I didn't realise that was out there. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, how much do you think it, we're sort of over reliant on the machines to do the interpretation for us versus almost like that human-centric kind of kind of thinking around extracting the data because it's almost like the ideas to come up with is like the fact that you might have lost your job or you might have um you might be in this particular situation or this kind of scenario might happen from a housing point of view i mean do, do we need to overlay more sort of like human driven I, I, I think so. i think there's understanding an emotion, psychology right yeah there's an emotional element to anything isn't there which i don't yeah. think the machines can interpret i think that's absolutely right i think i i always think of things in the process by thinking you know what would i do how would i behave what the yeah. route that i would go down and try and overlay that into the into the business situation that we're sort of looking at at the moment and that usually usually gives you the outcomes and the sort of touch points that you need to consider yeah yeah that's very, very interesting. So, so where, do, where do you think we go from here in the, the, the back end of the year? I mean, what's, what's your uh, looking your crystal ball? Um, uh, where, where do you think we get? Where do you think we're going to go? Is it going to be like the ball behind you, with uh, sort of like you know all different shards everywhere? Yeah, I mean, probably. I think I think a lot of it stems around what what, what the government are going to do and what the changes are going to do. I mean, if everything yeah. remains you know on a path without any major changes going on, I think that's probably you know not upsetting the apple cart, laissez-faire, etc. Just I just let it be at the moment. I think we'll be fine. Um, yeah, I just I just don't know because there's so many twists and turns. I think we you know I commented before when we when we when we spoke um, then back end of last year, um, we would have had a very different conversation around yeah. sort of, you know, trust and everything about what was happening in the marketplace. And yeah. it's not a, a great amount of time for this sort of series of changes that have happened. We, we've seen yeah. gone in the markets. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'd I'd probably wait until the next interest rate, rate rise or, or not and see what's happening. I think that'll sort of dictate in a way. I think more concerning is probably the, 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 the economic growth, the growth element. I think that's where everything will start to come out of. I think there's yeah. some changes that need to be made with that. I mean, if you were sitting there as a risk manager, I mean, what do you think of the big the big five risks you'd be worried about? Because we talked about a lot of the risks now. We've talked about environmental risks. We've talked about interest rate risks. We're talking about credit risks. We're talking about property. We're, talk, we're talking about a lot, right? Yeah. Like, you have you have quite a vision over over some of those things. I mean, what do you think the top five are that people should be worried about? Ooh, five um, stretch. I think. That, I mean, yeah. for, for me, I think there's going to be what is it? Two million mortgages in, in the next twelve months. Mortgage shock's going to be a big one. I think that. The thing that changes is the fact it, it it's an increase, but it's going to be a rather large increase for most people. Um, yeah. That's why I'd be concerned about is affordability. I'll be worried about the exposure to that affordability in terms of what I have with people. Um, what else would I be worried about? Um, what about the environmental aspect? I mean, you do quite a lot of that. I mean, I, I, I mean that, that's sort of been changing, I suppose. But it seems like it's a 
a slow boil almost in terms of like it, it increasing us. So I know we talked before about soil changes as an example. We talked about, you know, and we were talking about um, energy, energy, energy leakage. We just talked yeah. about that now. I mean, do you think, how do you think that's, that's going to impact? I mean, is that just something that's going to keep on going in the background? And it's almost like if it, if it rises slowly, we don't notice it, but actually it is, is a risk that's, that's kind yeah, of. Yeah, no, I think it is. I mean, it, to, to be honest, I think it's, it's being, I guess, disguised to a certain amount by, political war things things that are going on at the moment ukraine and, and that kind of thing um but i think there was a real need to do that before anyway um people and, and, and there's i guess for me there's a blame isn't there on that and i think it's too much of a blame about why uh, energy costs are going up they're all just going to naturally happen anyway because things become more scarce so um i think to be honest i think the financial services um community are, 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 are reacting to it especially within the mortgage space quite well at the moment because they are looking for the sort of green element they're looking to remediate things like roof leakage or whatever they're looking to help people and fund people's you know new heating systems and solar and insulation and that kind of thing so it's that's going in the right direction i don't think it's getting as much exposure as it should do or as much encouragement by the government as it should do so that, I, we can see more and more of that that sort of happening yeah um I guess the other thing is that we we sort of think about is is sort of new old houses as well. I mean, there's houses which are you know restricted in terms of how efficient they can be. Um, typically, older, bigger, larger, and stuff. So, I, I'd be interested to see what kind of impact that has in the marketplace as well. We're not talking about your three million pound mansions, which anybody yeah. can can afford, but just generally old, older properties which are restricted on what you can do. Yeah, particularly in the rental market, when you're looking at so some of the inner city um, rentals, I'm thinking back to, to student days. If you're in, a, you know, some of those um, Victorian terraced houses, you know, aren't necessarily weren't weren't well insulated at the time, and you know, the, you know, what there's only so much you can do with some of those as well. Yeah, yeah, um, but it's, I mean, it's the whole. I mean, you, you look at the whole thing in terms of the technology at the moment. You've got, you know, from a heating perspective, all the ground source and stuff. You can you can't have them in flats. You can't have them in terraced houses. They've got to go on your wall. They produce a, a pretty much an ambient temperature thing. I don't think they're that great from from what we've heard. Electric vehicles. I mean, you know, everybody's getting pushed towards that terraced housing flats. How are you going to How are you going to do it? There's not yeah. the available thing. So, I don't know. I think there'll be a shift, rethink towards things. I don't think we're quite where we should be with everything at the moment. I think they need to to, to rethink it all. all right. So it's a world of change. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, um, so, 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 Paul. Well, th- thanks very much. I, I appreciate. It. It's always good to get a bit of an insight on the property market as well, uh, outside of the environmental stuff as well, which which you seem to have a pretty good handle on. It'd be good to look at longer term trends because you probably get to see some of those things as well. We do, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so it's definitely definitely a concern. So, um, but um, but Paul, thanks very much for the insights. I really appreciate it. No problem. Good to see you.